Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, we have a very special guest. We're going to be talking Cole Caulfield's next contract. Can Kent Hughes actually afford to keep Josh Anderson, or is he bluffing in trade talks? And we're going to preview the second half of the season after the All-Star break. All that and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 780 of Locked On Canadians. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Remember, make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We have a very special episode here of Locked On Canadians. If you listen to our Monday episode, it was three up and three down after the All-Star break. Spoiler alert, Lane Hudson rules super hard, but you knew that already. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. Laura, we have a special guest today. Everyone who's watching on YouTube already knows who the special guest is. For those of you who are <laughs> listening on the podcast side of this, it's a secret. We're going to hold on and need that for later. <laughs> Laura, how are we doing on this Monday night? I'm very excited to talk. We're going to talk about some of the most uh, asked questions in our mailbag slash the mo- one of the most talks- talked about topics in Montreal at the moment. And I will now bring in our guest. We are very excited to have good friend of the show, program director for the Game Over brand at SDPN, Andrew Berkshire. Thank you so much for making time uh, to come on and chat with us here tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I know you guys have both been on my show a bunch of times this year, so I feel like I'm, I'm slacking by not representing on Locked On Canadians nearly enough this season. We have the impromptu Eyes on the Prize reunion, you know, F's in chat. Peace sign up for eyes on the prize here, but we're going to jump right into this because the number one thing we've gotten asked about, especially since he underwent successful shoulder surgery and was ruled out for the season anyways, is what is Cole Caulfield's next contract going to look like? Because the cap is going up slightly next year and then likely taking a leap after that, assuming everything goes to plan. Is he going to just outright? Is he going to get paid more than Nick Suzuki when he signs his new contract at some point in the next couple months? It's it's hard to figure out, right? Because I think if you look at how his pace was going this season, you know, especially now that Harvey Pinard is playing really well and playing with Suzuki, if you could imagine those two with Suzuki on the top line and you have Kirby Doc on the second line giving you a bit of space where teams actually have to compensate for playing against two capable NHL centers. Caulfield could have a 50 goal season on a team that doesn't score. Like that's completely insane. And how do you really value that when you're, you're looking across the league at other players? I know Matt Boldy has a similar level of point production to Cole Caulfield, not as high, I don't think, but uh his defensive metrics are a little bit better because, you know, he plays on a good defensive team. But other other reasons as well, you know, Caulfield isn't – like his defensive game is not super honed per se, although I like how he – like his effort level is great. I think his back-checking has really come a long way. But uh, I, I don't know what the ceiling is for Caulfield right now because I really thought after he got his surgery 
even before when they said like, oh, he's going to do a press conference. I thought that was the contracts done press conference. Now that he had his surgery, I thought, you know, it's going to happen really quick. Like, what is there to argue about? You're not going anywhere. We all know that it's going to be an eight year deal because why would you do anything other than that? Which makes me think that the Caulfield camp is looking at higher than Suzuki and the Canadians are trying to set the standard that, like Nick Suzuki is our highest paid player right now. You've got to kind of do the Boston Bruins thing and take a little bit less so that we can be competitive long term. Ultimately, as long as Caulfield is under like nine million, I really don't think it's going to matter for the Montreal Canadiens. I think that's just going to be a, a great value contract over the next eight years as the cap goes up. But I, I'm getting less and less sure of the fact that he's going to make less than Suzuki. What about exactly the same amount? Like, what do are the your Getz thoughts? Laugh Perry thing? <laughs> yeah, or like they're, they're I bros, think Kane and James right? did that. <laughs> Well, like, the thing is, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was well, just going to make fun of the Blackhawks for a moment, but they do enough of that themselves, so um, yes, they you do. don't need me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I think it would be great. It, those guys synergize so well; they're always hanging out. It, they even had like while they're not playing games, they had like the meme battle, where you know Suzuki's out there doing the Wolverine meme, and then Caulfield has his surgery and he does the like I lived. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> I forget I'm locked on. I feel like you can't. But you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I lived yes. me. The uh, I meme. lived meme. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was like there's always something between those two. And having them on like basically the exact same contract, I think would be number one, a great steal for the Montreal Canadiens, but also just kind of fun for the two of them. And that was my thought is I thought Suzuki made over eight million for some reason, but I can maybe I've just been looking at too many other contracts like I think it's because his contract was called one of the most overrated in the NHL at one point. Um, (laughs) Okay, we're going to address that elephant in the room since we have a moment right here. His take wasn't wrong in when it was analyzed. The people who did the social for that article absolutely hung Don out in the line of fire there for knowing what was going to happen. However... Dom doubled down on that recently and tried to like troll about it because uh, I think it was like Sportsnet stats had tweeted that like Suzuki had like one goal in 16 games. And then he was like, ah, it looks like uh, n- not the best contract in the world now, huh? And I was like, oh, Dom. Rem Pitlick was playing on the top line. I think Suzuki plays 800 minutes per night. Like <laughs> He can't <laughs> score because he's carrying all the rest of the team on his back. Yeah. So Dom Dom for a while, for a long time I was defending Dom. The day of I defended Dom, but he's made his made his bed now by trying to use that I to troll. troll. Yeah. So flame on. You, you can't <laughs> you can't really troll Habs fans when they want to lose this year like and the thing is Suzuki's topped 40 points again. He's topped 40 points in every season. He's on pace to do something that Saku Koivu did. Always a good thing to hear if you're a Canadians fan. And with that, I think Caulfield, if he comes in at just over eight million or at eight million, one great because that's value. He's on pay, he was on pace to top forty goals this season. He would have. He was playing with an injured shoulder and still scoring like he wasn't playing with a separated shoulder, which is just it's bonkers insanity. One, don't play with a separated shoulder on a bad team. It's not worth it. But also. <laughs> Imagine being that team being like, oh, we got dunked on by a dude playing with one good shoulder who's the size of a hobbit. What? How does that make you feel? And I hope it's shamed uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm very excited to see 
what I mean, I want this contract done and over with because God knows I do not want to spend an entire offseason hearing about is he going to sign? Are they going to trade him? They're not going to trade him. We're going to clear that right now. They're not going to trade Cole Caulfield. If they did, Kent Hughes might get run out of Montreal within <laughs> two years of being the GM. So hard and feathered. Yeah. Laura, do you have any final thoughts on what Cole Caulfield's contract should be? I think I think it should it should be eight plus, but I just think it would be really adorable if they got identical contracts, even if there's a year between them. I hope Nick Suzuki's the one to present him the new contract. Just shows him out of nowhere and gives him the contract. Like, <laughs> like knocks on the door. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna do the is it love actually where he's standing outside and he has the cue cards? Yeah. yeah. To yeah. me, you are re-signed, and it's just got the contract <laughs> attached to the last one. If someone is listening to this and wants to Photoshop that and make that happen, please do and tweet it at us, at LO underscore Canadians. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We have to talk about not a pending free agent, but the name that continues to come up in Canadians trade talks, and that's Josh Anderson, and that's coming up next. But first, as we mentioned earlier, this show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and they are our brand new sports betting partner here at Lockdown. They are the number one sportsbook in America, and if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download the FanDuel app now, and you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win, and FanDuel lets you bet on everything. Money line, point spreads, who's going to score a touchdown, it's the Eagles, it's the Chiefs, it's going to be high scoring, it's going to be ridiculous, and it's going to be fun. There's something there for everybody, and the app is safe, secure, and super easy to use, and you get paid on your winnings easily. You hit that opening touchdown bet, cash out, go buy yourself some more chicken wings. So you join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet for Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And remember, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL, and locked on and remember please always gamble responsibly when using any kind of sports betting app we are back here at locked on canadians it is laura and myself and our special guest andrew berkshire director of game over for sdpn so we're going to talk about the most handsome man on the montreal canadians right now and that is josh anderson josh anderson very handsome very fast very good at making leaf fans very angry all of the time Ken Hughes doesn't want to trade him, allegedly. And I think that this is Kent Hughes just, you know, using a bellows and puffing up that fire so he can get a bigger return for Josh Anderson. But on the other side of things, I can also see why he might want to keep him on the team. But my thought is, with a long-term rebuild in the plans here, I don't see where Josh Anderson fits into this when you've got Caulfield contracts and soon Gooley and Harris contracts and other people that need to be re-signed. And Josh Anderson is taking up a chunk of that cap, which will go up. But is he worth sticking with through the final phases of what this upcoming rebuild looks like? Yeah, I, I really don't think he is. And I, I see this as someone who's pointed out a few times this year that I do think that Josh Anderson has actually improved his game quite a bit this season. I see more versatility with him than I have in previous years, you know, playing on the penalty kill. He's actually been decent. Um, not great, but decent. He has a little bit of speed that allows him to do that. He's been actually looking for passes this year, but man, the, the dude has five assists in 50 games. <laughs> He's Cy Young it's, in it, baby. It's <laughs> wild how 
ineffective Josh Anderson is at using his teammates. And I remember we talked about this way back on the Canadian Stanley Cup run in 2021. When people were like fretting about just Barry Kokaniemi not getting enough points. And I was like, well, he's playing with Paul Byron and Josh Anderson, two guys who score on their own. They don't play with teammates, really. They don't do give-and-go plays, which is kind of what centers need to create a lot of points. Both those guys are put my head down, skate real fast, and then at the last second, I'm like, oh, how close is the net? And I try to shoot. Byron, much more effective shooter than Josh Anderson overall, but not as good at generating the volume. You know, we, we talk about uh, Josh Anderson being the power horse, but unfortunately, he also turns like a horse. You know, he's, <laughs> he's not that quick at, at adjusting his play. Like, oftentimes, I, I find Anderson just runs himself out of racetrack more than he gets defended well. And that that's kind of the issue where everyone looks at the skills package and they think, oh, this could be something special. But we're getting into the late 20s now with Josh Anderson and it's just not happening. It's not connecting. And this was kind of the season where you expected, especially at the beginning where the Canadians had that center depth where he could find a role somewhere. He started out with Suzuki and then he got Monaghan for a bit and Dvorak for a bit. And he just hasn't been able to put it together in any way that makes anything happen. He's still going to get his 20 goals, but where does he fit? I think that's the biggest thing for me with Josh Anderson is what line does he make better? And at even strength, he's still a big defensive liability. Just the way he plays creates a lot of chances against. And I don't think his offense that he brings individually makes up for that. So if the Canadians can get out from under that contract and get some of these rumored uh, returns that we see out there, and I want to make clear, I see other fan bases talk about Josh Anderson like, oh, well, Canadians fans are like fantasizing over what the return is going to be. They're not. This is coming from like Pierre Lebrun, Frank Saravalli, Chris Johnston. They're the ones saying that the Canadians are turning down first round picks and they're probably looking at something like first round pick plus an A level prospect or A minus level prospect for Josh Anderson. Teams value josh anderson's body type and speed right he has value in that way and i think games like what he does against the leafs all the time gms see that they're like oh he gets up for big games and ignore the fact that he had like what five points in the playoffs in 2021 or something yeah but he scored that he scored the goals against vegas and the thing is it's like you said people look at josh anderson he's big he can shoot he can shoot he has a great shot he could stand to you know mix up his shooting style a little more He can skate like the wind in a straight line and he brings that physicality when he wants to. And as much as the NHL has evolved in terms of how we analyze players and where they fit into systems, when the playoffs start coming around, GMs go, oh, he's big and fast and he fights people and he's mean and he grows a great beard and he has great hair. They're going to pay for that. (laughs) Don't forget. Ben Sherratt got an unprotected first round pick. And Josh Anderson, for all of his flaws, has term. He's still better than Ben Sherratt. He's much Way better down. than Ben Sherratt. Like, has term with the cap going up. And yeah, right now it's a bit much to, you know, swallow. But when the cap goes up, five and a half million dollars isn't going to seem like much considering you're going to have players who are going to be making nine, 10, 11 a lot more regularly. And if you can build a team that you don't need to rely on Josh Anderson, something Montreal hasn't really done because. 
Mark Bergevin's assembly of this team was child with Legos without instructions. <laughs> and I think that there's a fit there out there. And I, I, there was a question in our DM that says, what does a uh, can't refuse package for Ken Hughes look like? And I think it's like Calgary is the team that continues to need a top six winger. And yeah, I look and- at that and I go first and someone like a uh, Jacob Pelletier or Matthew Phillips and another prospect or something. Coronado, Sean Farrell's best friend. Something like that is what I is what I'm hoping the return would be. I'm not going to be shocked though if it's a first and like a slightly lesser prospect because everyone gets cold feet closer to the deadline. Yeah, and you bring up a great point, Scott, honestly, that the difference between Josh Anderson and the Canadians where they absolutely need him to score those 25 goals per year just to not be absolutely terrible versus on a team that has a bit more depth where he's a guy who's on the third line who those 20 plus goals are like this surplus the team doesn't actually need, but it pushes them to the next level. It's a different kind of goal scoring that maybe other players don't bring something that I brought up with like Paul Byron all the time. That like even later in his career where Paul Byron's underlying numbers were not very good. He scored goals that like five players in the entire league could score because his afterburners were so crazy that like, you know, you know what I mean? Where like, there's some players where you can just kind of slot them in and yeah, they might score 20 goals, but the next player up might score 19 of those goals. Whereas Paul Byron would score 15 goals, but like 14 of those goals weren't going to happen without Paul Byron in the lineup. So you kind of take that and it's special where Josh Anderson can kind of do that too. I think to a lesser extent in like the goals are special compared to Byron, but also he hits guys on the forecheck when he's on his game. And there's something in that rumbles in your gut when you see a guy who's like six foot four crunching defensemen, and then he can chip in a goal here and there. And it's like that really old school hockey guy who's just like, I I really like that. I need that on my team right now. (laughs) And I think a lot of GMs have that and it makes Josh Anderson worth a lot, a lot on the market. And I think Jacob Pelche with the flames is extra interesting because he's also a promising Francophone player that helps. (laughs) And the thing about Josh Anderson is, and before we wrap and move into the next segment here is, when he is on his game, like we saw in that game against Toronto where Caulfield was out and the Leafs should have absolutely blown the Habs out of the water. When Josh Anderson is on his game, and I mean on his game, he is unplayable because defensemen are not prepared for a dude that size who skates like someone half his size coming on the forecheck and going to freight train them like they're a stuck car on the 401 and just go right through them, get the puck, and the forecheck is there. When he's off his game, you would not know that he is playing at all because he's yeah. not involved. But when right. he is on and he he does have a habit of showing up when you least expect it. But when he does, it's it's first round pick material. It's just is that GM going to be it's the uh, uh, arrested development? No, but maybe we can fix him kind of thing there. <laughs> I don't time. know if that's going to be the case or not, but it might be. It's Lord, one of those it's things. all about perceived value. Like that's yes. the thing with the trade deadline, particularly this time of year, and particularly when it comes to large players. It's all about perceived value. It doesn't necessarily have. I think it's like it get like the closer you get to the trade deadline, maybe it starts with like a hundred percent actual value, and the closer you get to the trade deadline, at that point, you're like eighty percent perceived value, twenty percent actual value. 
Like that's what the return is. And the thing that I wanted to ask you, I know we're like bleeding into the next segment, but you know, you were just talking about this and in our DMs, like where there's smoke, there's fire. But here's the thing, like LeBron's put like, you know, LeBron or Johnson are saying this, who are their sources? Are they in the Hughes camp or are they in the opposing team's camp or like whatever the would be suitors camp? That, that's a great question. I'd love to ask them. I'll have to send a message to CJ. Cause you know, as you know, he's part of the SDPN, but uh I don't know if you'd answer me. <laughs> he doesn't answer me every time I message him, especially when it's about specifics. But I think the other thing with Josh Anderson, I think GM's key on because they see like the best of him is they know over an 82 game schedule, no one can do that because if he played like he played against the Leafs every night, all his bones would explode. <laughs> like you just, you can't do that. <laughs> like nobody can do that. So I think they see that and they're like in the playoffs though, he'll do that until his bones explode. And then we'll just give him cortisone shots until he can't play anymore. <laughs> Josh, here's a Gatorade bottle full of Toradol. Get back out there and just, oh, you know, I <laughs> ah, got it. He's going to skate in a crooked line, but he's still going to hit somebody at the end, whether it's his teammate or not. We don't know, but just brains. It's going to be interesting. Because here's the, and we'll get onto this in the second half here, and I'll save it, but I don't think he's going in this season. I don't think it will be long before Josh Anderson is moved out, though. I think it'll be once another year's bled off that contract just to make it slightly more palatable. And we're going to talk about the second half of the season for the Montreal Canadiens, and that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is also brought to you by the folks at Athletic Greens. It's great every morning when you need that kickstart of your day. All you need is just a tablespoon into your glass of water first thing in the morning. It's lifestyle friendly. So if you are vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it can work for you as well. It costs less than $3 a day. So you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than buying cold brew every morning. Take it from someone who buys a Red Bull every morning. This helps save me a good chunk of money here. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts. So right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, great for the winter months, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. We are joined as always, well, not as always, but in today's show by Andrew Berkshire. And we are now in the official second half of the season, despite being 10 games over the actual second half of the season, because Scheduling the all-star break at the actual midway point of the season would be too difficult. I guess the question is the open floor here is what do we expect from the second half of the season here besides more uh, losses for the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah. In the words of Mr. T pain, it's not going to be pretty. Unfortunately, I do think they'll get a boost post trade deadline just because, you know, the young kids will get more playing time. They should be a little bit better coming up here. I like when is Sean Monahan going to play? He's got to play, right? Like I know they're being careful with him after maybe not being careful enough, letting him play in a walking boot, and they want to be able to move him at the trade deadline. But 
he's got to play in some games before they move him just to show everyone that he's still capable of doing so. And he didn't re-injure his hips. Yeah, They're going to weekend at Bernie Sean Monaghan on the ice. Like. <laughs> God, I hope, I hope it doesn't get, it isn't at that point. Cause he was so good at the beginning of the year. I just want to root for him, you know? Yes. But, uh, I, I would assume there's going to be fits and starts where they'll, where they'll play well, but you know, 30 plus games without Cole Caulfield. I think that's going to set in reality is going to set in and, and be kind of tough. You know, Harvey Pinar is not going to score at like a 65 goal base for the rest of the way. <laughs> I, I don't think, even though it's been great to watch him so far and he's a great story. I think it's going to be mostly more of the same though, for the Canadians, they'll probably win like seven to 10 of these last 30 games, 31 games. And people who won't love the tank will be happy about it. And People who don't will be frustrated and start and annoying. Yeah, annoying and start like stupid conversations about has Marty St. Louis lost the room? And everyone with a brain will say, very obviously not. <laughs> no, it's look because at- there's half an AHL team playing and five rookies on defense in front and of a cherub in net. On like, half a leg. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Honestly, one of the things that I'm most interested in down the stretch for the Canadians is seeing how Sam Montembeau plays. Because if he can maintain the level that he's had so far this season, that's pretty cool and like a really underrated story in- across the league this year. We had talked about this in an episode last week is that I don't think Jake Allen is, is has been as bad as his numbers suggest. I think the team in front of him has been as bad as his numbers suggest. But if he can bring his game up a little bit, I assume Montembeau will probably drop a, a hair or keep that level. It's enough to keep them competitive in games, but not win them, which I think yes. is the biggest thing that they're looking for here is can we not poop our diapers every night here and, you know, put up a fight in these games? I'm not asking for the Canadians to win 20 plus games the second half of the year. Show, you know, some backbone in that. And Arbor Jack, that doesn't mean fight literally everybody who looks at you funny, unless it's Brady Kachuk, then please fight Brady Kachuk because it'll be funny. Uh, or any senators or Leafs. He's already fought several senators. He's And Leafs. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't think he's fought any of the Leafs yet. He hasn't fought any of the Leafs. No, because Michael Bunting's seventy-five years old, and Wayne Simmons would be put in a retirement home, and Kyle Clifford is playing in the AHL. I do not think any of them want to fight a dude who turns Zach Cassian into pudding at center ice. <laughs> Just imagine, Probably like not. Austin Matthews comes back from his knee injury, and Jack is like, <laughs> "We're gonna fight." Just make him the <laughs> ultimate Toronto villain. <laughs> I think Austin Matthews somehow getting hit by Arbor Jack. I might just might be the thing that actually destroys Twitter, not the guy running it, but I think just the pure amount of vitriol that would come out of that incident would probably just permanent would make a perma fail whale for Twitter. It just would not come back after that. Yeah. It would Uh, be pretty, I guess uh, with the trade deadline is the next big thing here. Monaghan is likely going at the deadline one way, shape, or form if he assumingly comes back to play some games. The big question is, is Joel Edmondson going at the trade deadline this year? Yeah, if he's healthy, I think he's pretty much going to be traded. Uh, if you listen to the the insiders, it seems like the Ben Sherratt trade is the framework. Uh, it's It's wild to think about considering how Edmondson played when he first came back this year. But the last 10, 15 games, I actually think he turned a corner pretty well. He was playing much better hockey. You know, still not great analytically, but he wasn't making those ridiculous mental mistakes the first 20 or so games of his comeback. 
uh, had was full of. You know, like the thing about Joel Edmondson is, even though he was being carried by Jeff Petrie the previous two seasons, the one thing we could count on watching him is he would make quick, decisive plays with the puck, often deferring to his partner. You could trust him, right? He he was a guy who made smart decisions, even though he was limited. He played within his limits. This season, it seems like that really got away from him for a good stretch of time, but he's gotten back to that. He just doesn't have Jeff Petrie to like lift him up anymore. So it, it doesn't look as pretty, but he's still doing decent things now. And plus, he's he's got that cross-check, baby. Once it gets to the playoffs, teams love that. So I keep on hearing from insiders, from people in the know, that a 2023 first-round pick is in play for Joel Edmondson. Now, it's not going to be the pick that they get from Florida, which is possibly, you know, a lottery pick. But <laughs> if a team like Edmonton is looking to beef up going into the playoffs, they would move a first-round pick for Joel Edmondson, which is nuts. But that's hockey, baby. With Edmondson going to potentially Edmonton, because that it's quite literally where the fire seems to just be raging there. They have to trade salary to make that work. And the name that keeps coming up in all of this, because the Edmonton Oilers are a franchise run by clowns, is Jesse Pugliarvi. Fits the timeline for what the Canadians want to do. Fits the Kirby Doc mold of, well, we had this guy and we don't know what to do. So now we hate this guy. Here you have him. I can't help but think Kirby Doc and Jesse Pugliarvi on the same line would be a ton of fun in Montreal. Yeah. Not, talk about a guy who probably has like a chip on his shoulder, right? Wants to show that he can score some goals, play with a decent playmaker like Kirby Doc. Two big guys as well who are defensively responsible. I read a tweet thread. I forget who it was from. It was a couple weeks ago talking about how like the profile of Pugliarvi right now is essentially a Selkie winner. Like that's how good his defensive play is. And I had uh, Rachel Dory on game over a couple weeks ago and she was talking, I was comparing him to Valerie Nakushkin. And I was like, I think that's like probably pretty kind to Pugliarvi. And she was like, no, that's a really good comparison. Actually, maybe doesn't have like the high end skill in terms of finishing ability, but neither did Nikushkin at this age, right? He kind of found that once he went to Colorado and got put in the right situation. So if you could bring that out of Jesse Pulley and, you know, if you listen to Edmonton writers and reporters, the Oilers would have to add more to make the Canadians <laughs> take Jesse Pulley So if sure. you could trade Joel Edmondson and get a first round pick, and Jesse Pugliarvi. It's like that old Ikea commercial. I don't know if you got it in the States, uh, Scott, but it was like the start the car. No. No, you didn't get that <laughs> I don't one? Think or I've you ever know seen what I'm talking Ikea about, com- right? It was talking about the sales you could get at Ikea, and it was like a woman leaving the grocery store with her cart full of stuff, and like she was robbing it, and she's like, start the car, start the car. <laughs> like, that's Kent Hughes, essentially, in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's a wild to me that it's like, okay, even if the Edmonton Oilers don't want to give up a first, like, okay, we'll give you a prospect. Here's Xavier Borgo and Jesse Pugliarvi for Joel Edmondson. I will I will fly to Edmonton, pick them up in a rental car, dr- fly with them to Montreal, and drop them off at the front door. It'll be several thousand dollars, and it will get me absolutely nothing, but I will do that because it, that's just larceny. That's robbing a team blind. And that's not to say I don't, think that Joel Edmondson has value for this team. 
doesn't fit the timeline. When there's defensive prospects who are coming up in the system and more that are going to be coming in the next couple years in that timeline, by the time that everyone is ready, Joel Edmondson's time will have passed on this team. Same thing with Josh Anderson, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, before we go, I guess, any bold predictions for the second half of the season? I think we're going to see the Boston Bruins fall out of the President's Trophy race. They've just Ooh. been too fortunate so far this season. They have, I believe, the highest uh, PDO of any team since the 0405 lockout. Uh, the only team that's even close was the St. Louis Blues last year. Their goaltending, the numbers are just ridiculous. I know they're good defensively, but come on. They're not that. They're not good. Nobody is that good. So I think Carolina is going to take the president's trophy. Gross. <laughs> Laura, any bold predictions? No, I'm I'm hung up on Boston Bruins and, and falling out. So I, I didn't hear the rest of that sentence. I was just like falling. All right. Bye, Boston Bruins. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of what my bold prediction is going to be. It's going to be that the Devils are going to lose in round one of the playoffs. I don't know who it's going to be to but they're going to lose in round one of the playoffs. They're going to go full Leafs where they should dominate the series and lose in round one because their goaltending is going to collapse in upon itself. And I think Mike Hoffman will somehow be traded at this deadline for a surprising return. I don't think it'll be a great return, but it'll be better than expected in that. Um, We're going to wrap up today's show here. Andrew, thank you so much for making the time for us. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on socials and elsewhere in the podcasting universe? Yeah, you can always find me on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. I have that same name on uh, Instagram if you want to check that out. And I believe the same on TikTok as well. And always go to YouTube.com slash SDPN to find all of your game over stuff. We're in all seven Canadian markets. So no matter which team you cheer for, there's something for you. Uh, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow me at Scott Matla. Obviously, there's not a lot of hockey happening this week, so it'll be mostly you're stuck with my soccer and NFL-related thoughts. Sorry in advance. Uh, take care, everyone, and we will see you all next time.